but when I took a look at all of that, I sort of saw my own role and uh, thought, why am I trying to be another executive in this room that's already way too crowded with executives? Why am I trying to recruit when um, we may not even be working on the right things on engineering? I should just be an engineer. So I basically kind of dropped all the stuff I was working on from a management perspective and from a recruiting perspective. And I learned Ruby on Rails and started coding, started making pull requests last year. I actually had a manager on our engineering team who was helping me get better at programming. And now I'm pushing code every single day. That's actually like my role now. Right. So things have kind of come full circle. So wow. that's, yeah, that's yeah. the journey. And then what's like, I, I, you know, I guess that you touched upon like, uh, you know, the gunk, if you will, of like a bigger company. So I guess the lesson learned from your perspective is that, hey, like once you have a ton of VC capital, it's your instinct, I think, most people that are, you know, first time, second time entrepreneurs with a lot of money. Yeah, you, you basically have to spend it, right? Like yeah. people aren't investing you to like sit on it. Right. You gotta well, spend. Yeah. And I think one of the easiest way to spend is like hire a bunch of people. And then you have to remember that when you hire people, they are gonna go and hire more people. Right. It can quickly spiral out of control. Right. And we had to do two layoffs last year. Wow. It was really difficult. Um, we, we had to shut down our entire Providence office where we started the company. So I stood up there and made, you know, walk, stood there with Walker while we made the announcement um, to that company that we were going to shut it down. And until that moment, everyone there was, we just thought that they had, you know, had this awesome job that there's no company like this in Rhode Island and how could anything go wrong? Right. And it was really heartbreaking to, um, to have to announce to them all that basically we were going to have to shut that office down. Um, but, but it was a symptom of the type of, um, out of control hiring and spending that we had gotten into after we raised all that money. So yes, my, I definitely think people should be conservative about how they use the funds that they raise right. that, um, in some cases, there's, it's, it's really good to know where there's a rush, where there's time pressure to move quickly, and where you actually may not need to sprint and spend, and where you can kind of take your time and make decisions about where to spend. Um, in some cases, it can be really easy to get overly focused on competition and to think, I think that the, the pressure competition creates uh, is often one that makes you think we need to do all of this right now so that we can get ahead of our competition, but it can end up backfiring if you make the wrong step or go down a road that kind of uh, you can't easily get off of once you're down it. Um, So just some of the lessons learned, but I think our team is in a really amazing place now. I'm so proud of the uh, way that we've evolved back to a simpler, leaner team uh, with a much more streamlined leadership group that I think is really effective at making the right decisions in a timely manner without wasting a lot of time debating um, and that we have a really strong team all pushing in one direction. So, so we, have, we have come a long way. It's definitely been um, a lot of work to get yeah, to. Learn, I think it's like getting wise. I yeah. think 
I feel like I've gotten a lot more wise, you know, running Nutribox and seeing this business grow. I'm curious about like the intuition around, you know, what are characteristics of things or, or initiatives that are like, yeah, we got to step on the gas. And what are the characteristics or attributes of tasks that like, hey, be more know, patient, be more patient. I think that's like, p- perhaps like, hey, that's like the art of being an entrepreneur. But curious, you know, if you could pass along some of that wisdom. You need to look very carefully at what is it that's making this business successful. If you can narrow down why you are successful to sort of this core uh, set of tenets or impulses, or maybe it is product features, maybe it is a specific user group, but it's important to understand why are we different? Why are we successful? Why are we growing when you have that? And then when you start evaluating options of things to work on you should ask yourself is this something that truly will continue this mission continue this path of what's been working really well for us or is this something that just sort of seems like the right thing to do because it's what everyone does and it's just this sort of standard thing that works Um, and a lot of times it it does turn out that um, a lot of ideas will be things that work for most companies. And so it seems like you just kind of should do them. But those are the ones where I'd say there's less of a rush to to get into them. Um, Whereas the things that are specific to your company, to your industry, um, that are gonna make a difference to the way that your users are interacting with your product right now, are the things you should address right now. Um, So really double down on like your special formula and not try to like, yeah, everyone's buying a bunch of Facebook ads. Don't like rush into that game because you can. If like the the standard playbook is always there, essentially, is you know what I personally seen. Right? Exactly, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think there's always going to be the standard playbook. You'll always be able to hire people who can take you down the path of the standard playbook. But the the sooner you get into the standard playbook, the sooner you're going to start having standard results. And yeah. the longer you can stay in that sort of entrepreneurial pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Um, taking things to another level beyond where they are uh, the better you'll do and remembering that um, growth is important and there's something that got you to where you are if you're already at that stage and uh, the next step forward is probably some iteration of that it's probably uh, something similar to that but but with a slightly expanded focus maybe it applies to more people or lets the people you already have do it do it on a bigger scale so you know there's there's definitely lots of ways to approach it yeah before i want to get into your personal regimen your personal i'm curious to you know last sort of thoughts on on like what are the most exciting things that you look forward to in teespring Sure. Yeah. Looking, looking forward. Well, the thing I'm most excited about with Teespring is that we have finally made this transition from being a services company that is really oriented towards serving this one user group, which was the internet marketer. And we're now becoming a business that is uh, equally as invested, if not more so in building a marketplace and building something that everyone can use. And, in building a product that has um, real interest for the random person you might introduce it to. Uh, that's, that is something that has been new and that we're focusing on now more than ever is 
what's the shirt that you know your mom would buy what's the shirt that your your brother would buy what's the thing that everyone would want and that everyone can create and so we're, we're definitely focusing now on allowing people to express themselves more allowing a broader range of people to get involved in that creative process and we're building uh, what I can see evolving to be one of the coolest online sort of social commerce stores that's there because um, we are uh, you know, if Amazon is the everything store, we like to think of ourselves as the everyone store. It's a store where anyone can come in, create something, and where there's something for everyone. So, I'm excited about where we're going, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like a destination site in of itself, not something that just like people are buying traffic towards their own specific pages. Exactly. We, we are moving past that, but we do also think that um, for those users who are building still a business, guys. we're going to still have them and they're going to still want to work with us or, you know, we'll, they, they're, they're only going to get more sales as a result of us becoming a marketplace. Right. Um, so, so we do think that that's also an important dynamic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be staying tuned. I'm sure our listeners will be too. Yeah. Moving towards like, you know, I think what got us, um, you know, us talking was that we saw a tweet about, you know, you using Sprint and getting good results from it. Curious about hearing about, you know, all the different things that you've tried as you've personally been optimizing your, Mm -hmm. your life. Yeah, so I've definitely done plenty of optimization, whether it's uh, exercise, drugs, or um, my dream practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, a couple of things that have been really big for me in my life are, um, you know, using sleep and dreams as an effective technique and a way to regulate my, um, my, my productivity. Um, so a, a practice that I developed early in my programming career was essentially lucid dreaming while uh, programming to take a break. So like if I was in the, uh, you know, I would always be sleepy, um, and I'd be coding for, you know, hours at a time. And one thing I would do is take these quick 20 minute naps, um, have a lucid dream and then wake up feeling a lot more refreshed and then get back on and start coding. And that was something that I did a ton when, uh, we first started Teespring. And even before that, when I was sort of just like getting into programming, that was a really important yeah. practice. How would you do that? Just set an alarm for 20 minutes and just conk out and then your, your brain's still, you know, just falling into REM. So it's, you're still, I mean, I'm curious, how did you develop it? I think a lot of people are like, Hey, how do I, how do I just start lucid dreaming? Yeah. I, I started lucid dreaming when I got to college, when my sleep schedule started getting wonky, um, because I would always be up all night. Um, you know, whether I was partying or just smoking weed or whatever, and then having to go to class in the morning. Um, and I'd be so sleepy that I'd need to take a nap during the day. And taking those naps during the day was always a time when I found it was easier for me to remain aware while I was falling asleep. Um, and initially they were just things I was doing kind of for fun, you know, when I was in school. But then uh, at some point it, it really did become a part of my work practice when I was programming because it's hard to program for six hours straight uh from 9 p.m to you know two in the morning or whatever it is uh and so one way to break that up would be to take these quick naps and um i usually find find that by uh 
going and sitting down in like a chair or laying down on the floor somewhere that's not super comfortable. <laughs> that's funny. Like if you don't, you aren't getting in bed and putting your blankets on. Because right. then you're just out for like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're not telling yourself I'm going to bed. It's just like I'm gonna lean on or like slump over my desk right. and pass out. And your your brain actually has a natural capacity to sleep for about twenty minutes before like a power nap right. before you kind of pop out of it right. and usually that's so like a groggy yeah exactly you're not getting into deep sleep you're not right. getting you're not really even getting into REM you're kind of in this like sleep onset phase okay. um, and you just have that but it is a little bit of REM it's kind of like a quick shot of REM right. and that um, that can really re-energize you so that was something I did a lot in lucid. Do you think about like yeah. problems when you're lucid dreaming? Because I've had I've heard anecdotes where people like start thinking about physics problems or like math problems as they're lucid dreaming, and it's just like a different state of consciousness as you're looking at problems. Or did you when you when you were lucid dreaming were you thinking about it? Yeah, um, it's like flying or whatever. Well, I I think that what happens when you go to sleep is whether you're lucid or not, your brain is kind of naturally looking at the problems that are currently on it from a different perspective it's kind of like uh, yeah. inhaling and exhaling yeah. so let's say like all day long you're just inhaling all this life and existence and um, problems and things and that's one way to think about them and solve them but as soon as you let yourself exhale even if it's only for 20 minutes that quick uh, revolution of your consciousness into another state it, it allows you to um, even on a you know neurochemical level, a lot of the chemical processes then reverse, and oh, so they're yeah. they're happening in the opposite direction, and so it allows your brain to like unwork some things, and so even if you're not actively thinking about the programming problem that you're working on at the time, it's so common to wake up and be like, oh, I figured it out, yeah, um, just because it's definitely like a neurotransmitter reset of some sorts as you're going exactly, to sleep yeah. exactly yeah and so that kind of can it can really help you kind of keep going um and i think the the lucid part of it was kind of cool for me because one thing i got out of that was i was able to wake myself up so come the end of 20 minutes um i kind of had that realization that yeah, the right, intuitive feel of what 20 minutes feels like yeah I, i've been sleeping for a while all right it's time for me to wake up and oh. i would wake myself back up and then start start working again can you do that on demand? Like, let's like. Do you have to be sleep deprived to be able to like do twenty minutes like snapshots or? Yeah. So for me, I was only able to do it, and I don't do that anymore. And the reason why is because I get good sleep now. Yeah. And uh, I'm no longer <laughs> sleep deprived enough to be able to like go down for those twenty minute right. naps. But I think for a lot of people who are on the, that grind in those early stages, that that's that's they'll be sleep deprived enough for this to work for them pro tip okay yeah <laughs> that's interesting i'm, I'm curious because i think meditation um like some of these just sort of rest periods for your brain to let mm -hmm. it reset it has actually you know a growing body of western clinical data right like you think this this could be like new age woo woo stuff but like hey there's actually clinical trials that show like actual effect sizes so yeah. i think that's interesting to consider yeah, it, 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 no, it reminds me, like, one of the things I always think is if you're, if you're not feeling productive or you feel like you're doing 10 different things, is just, like, go, go sit and do nothing. And, like, don't use your phone, don't do anything, just sit and do nothing. And then, and then eventually you're going to want to get up and, like, do something and, like, figure out, like, what is that, what is the thing that you want to go do then? Let's say kind of 
reset what it is that instead of, instead of just like you know checking facebook checking your email talking about this thing kind of working on this project it's like sit down and then and then figure out what you're uh, compelled to want to do yeah i really like that i think that the modern condition we're in is one of this tension between uh doing things and needing to do things and then sometimes feeling like you don't really want to be doing them or you don't have that sort of energy or drive towards them and what you're suggesting about just allowing that to be a time where you then just stop doing things i think that's a really great idea um i i know i mean it's it's so interesting how you can uh sit on your computer trying to work for two hours and you're basically just checking facebook or kind of like compulsively opening Facebook and closing it and going to check the news and then kind of looking at your code. Uh, and then another time you might work for 15 minutes and get done all of the work that you would in that period. Right. And so um, allowing ourselves to like actually just not do anything when we're not doing anything, when it's not our minds. Yeah, have, have high quality downtime, right? Instead, yeah. if you're going to procrastinate, make it make it great. Don't make it like still kind of stressful you're kind of reading articles that you kind of don't care about but like uh, it's like i just go for a walk right have a, have a sandwich like take yeah. a take a quick nap or sit and do nothing and then actually give yourself time to to get hungry to get chomping at the bit with that like inner hustler that's like oh i gotta do stuff but if you never let yourself go full quiet then you never it, it can be harder to find that that aggressive side that actually wants to get stuff done too yeah, I think that was something that I um, found was that one of the reasons I wanted to do a startup was because the culture at the office wasn't something that was set. And I think we have a culture where it's not really okay to nap. It's not really okay to be seen passed out in the corner of your office right. during the workday. Because even if that is the most efficient way for you to work, there's this it's feeling. It's not socially acceptable. Exactly. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look right. It right. doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not the thing that's going to motivate other people. And so there was definitely a turning point for me in my company that was kind of a sad moment for me when I realized I can't go take a nap. Like, even if. Um, that's not good for the company. It exactly. looks like it's wrong. Like, it looks yeah. like the founders, like, fucking. Doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so. Um, unless I could really hide and be completely invisible to everyone, uh, which I sometimes do by going down to the basement and getting into my car and <laughs> taking a nap where no one will see me, uh, I can't just sleep in the office. And um, it, that's an example of the type of thing that happens as you grow. You know, you, even when something's the most efficient for you, it doesn't work for the organization, you can't do it. Right. Yeah, I think that's like one thing that I've thought about a lot is that a lot of the templates of productivity are very much based on like an industrial revolution factory system of, mm -hmm. of productivity, right? Like if you're just a laborer on the factory line, then yeah, like your productivity is associated with exactly how many hand motions can do to like put something together and have breaks for meals. But work today is intellectual. It's creative. It's not like, hey, look at a computer for eight hours that's gonna be the most optimal way to schedule your time. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one thing that I'm personally excited about as we look at, hey, how do we restructure people's days? How do we have new regimens, new protocols to really optimize for intellectual work, not mm -hmm. just you know, old school manual labor. Anything else that you're experimenting with uh, I think is interesting? 
Um, well, I've been I've been trying some of your guys' products. Yeah. Um, they're pretty cool. I really like the Sprint Neutrobox pill. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's it's helped me. It got me into um, a state of mind that reminded me of uh, how I felt after I uh, did a yoga class and meditated for fifteen minutes. Right, get into flow. Right, just get into flow. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a kind of a removal of um, these mental obstructions. And I, I don't think that just a pill is enough to do that, but I think that if you can combine a pill or uh, or practice or something with the intention to get into that state, um, then you can be really effective, especially when um, you've done some pre-work. So one thing that I like to do now is I kind of focus, if, if I can't, if I don't feel like I'm in a flow state, if I don't feel like I'm in that really product productive, knocked stuff out, then instead of focusing on that, I try to stage my next flow. So I'll write down a list of here are the exact things that I need to do. Here are the, the, the steps. Because sometimes it feels easy to easier to just write down what you need to do. And then sometimes it actually feels easy to do those things. Um, and so then what I'll do is I'll write them down. And then when I, when I get into that groove, whether it's uh, triggered by... Um, a nootropic or if it just happens to be I feel good at that moment then I go down the list and I just knock out the tasks um, I found that to be really effective I'm definitely getting a lot more code out now that I've kind of taken on this practice uh, the one thing that I'm really trying to avoid is that feeling of I'm just here at the office staring at a screen and that's my work <laughs> I think that is about as bad as work can be in for most people uh, in this era and we should all be very aware of when we start feeling like we're just doing that. We're just kind of playing the part of the role. And I love what you said about that sort of industrial era work ethic, how in that era, if you were sitting there and, and building your thing, that was enough. Right. And that just isn't the case anymore. I mean, maybe for certain uh, types of work it can be, but... Increasingly, that stuff is going to be automated in a way, and then like the only true value work is going to be like stuff that you actually need to be creative about. Yeah. So, so, so how do you resolve that though? Then why isn't it fine to take a nap? So, that's company. the social constraint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah but, then the, but, the social, but then the social constraint is sit at your screen and stare at it, right? I mean, the ideal company culture that you can build, and it's something that I think we're working towards now, uh, is one in which it's fine to take a nap if you also do an amazing product demo the next day and show what you built. Like, no one can question you if you don't even show up at the office, if you're clearly outputting right. uh, as much as you could. And so that is the ideal that we're striving for, right. but it's not the default culture of our era because we still have, like you it's said- This notion of FaceTime, like, hey, you're in the yeah. office, you're a hard worker. That's something that I think we're thinking about a lot too, because we just know at the end of the day, we just care about output, right? If you have awesome stuff, then no one can really complain. But I think on the flip side, there's always this like pressure of, hey, um, because I think it's kind of hard to measure a lot of people's output directly, then it's like, okay, the proxy of that is how much effort are you showing by like showing up staring at something. Yeah, I mean, and if you're not gonna get anything done anyway, maybe it is better to be sitting in the office staring at a screen, because at <laughs> least you're, you're, you're kind of contributing to the cause you're you're there right um but I'd, I'd like to think that we could set us a higher standard for what right. we could be productivity wise than right. just uh st staring um so 
Yeah, that's the balance of things. I, I've been I've been really enjoying these these uh, sprint pills. I think they have a great combination of caffeine and some some other substances. I find that it's uh, for me that's a more um, balanced feeling than what I get from coffee, right. which can also end up feeling 100%. jittery and kind of uh, intense right. and leads to this frustrated feeling. Uh, and I don't I don't really <laughs> like that. Although I love drinking coffee yeah. just because it tastes so good and it's. It's just such a nice experience. <laughs> but other things I've been doing recently is stop drinking, stop smoking weed. Um, and uh, just caffeine is like the only drug I take now. Interesting. Um, although I have, I still um, do sometimes take another supplement for lucid dreaming, which is called galantamine. Okay. And yeah. that's something I discovered recently really works well for triggering lucid dreams. Interesting. Um, so those are It's a of, research chemical you had to find a pseudo shady source to get galantamine. Uh, you can actually get it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. don't need to um, do okay. any like weird, <laughs> weird, weird dark stuff. web stuff for okay. that. Cool. Um, but it's it's pretty good. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, is that I, hard from a social construct? I think a lot of culture today, a lot of meeting culture, is also around like drinks. I'm curious. You know, you just be able to be like, hey, you know, I don't. Not drinking is really difficult. Yeah, I think that's like a personal thing yeah. I've found. It's hard to like, it's a very part of like a meeting social culture to be like, hey, let's grab a drink, let's grab a beer. Yeah, I agree. For I've, business meetings or, or yeah, so, so the reason why I stopped um, drinking was because uh, I didn't like the feeling that I would get on weekend days and on random days when I would sort of be like having a good day, but then I would think, but it would be a little better if I was drinking a beer right now. Like if I was just drunk, like this would be slightly better. Right. And I don't want to live in a way where I'm constantly having to think about how things could be slightly better. I want to live in a way that this moment as it is, in this state of mind, that's, this is the best. This is the, the moment I'm living for. There's no like vape I can toke to just like slightly bump it up. So that's why I quit smoking and drinking was because I wanted to be able to like cherish the moment for what it was and not be thinking about something else. Um, but is it difficult from a social perspective for drinking? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very foreign to people for someone not to drink. And, uh, I don't think you can for, at least for me, I haven't found that I can get quite into that same social bubbly, uh, state when I'm not drinking. It's just, uh, but but then I, I realized maybe that's not an important state to be in. Right. Um, so, yeah, I. Uh, it could be a social crush in a lot of ways, right? Like. Yeah, it definitely. I think one thing that drinking does is it allows you to be okay with a situation or with doing things that normally you wouldn't be okay with. And I think that begs the question of if Why you normally there? wouldn't be okay with or want to be at this thing, then, then should you even do it? Right. And so it has helped me focus on what am I really trying to get out of life? You know, what am I really, what is really satisfying to me? And I don't think that being drunk is something that has ever helped me uh, realize or work towards those things that like actually matter. Um, so, so I do think that from that perspective, it's good though. I, I, I don't think I'm going to quit drinking forever. I do think there's also a, a benefit sometimes to the kind of creative flow and productivity you can get out of alcohol. 
Um, so I think or marijuana. Like, I think there's like conflicting research, but I think there is some interesting data for CBD for certain types of thinking, etc. Yeah. So for marijuana, I, I also never felt like uh, my productivity was affected. Um, not while I wouldn't smoke while while I was working, but I did think that back in those times when I used to work twelve hour days, if I spent the last two hours of my day smoking, it was a great way to like rapidly unwind. Um, I don't know if I think it was the healthiest kind of pattern to be going through, but in terms of just a way to like switch gears immediately, like if you, it's similar to the dream thing, if you need to get out of one mental gear and into another, then those drugs can be very useful for that. Um, but I'm trying to cultivate that in other ways now. One of my goals in life is to have every day be a big day. I like that as a wrapping thought. Let's, let's leave it at that. Cool. 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 Thanks. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. That was an awesome conversation with Evan. Um, I think it was really cool to hear uh, the struggles of the Teespring journey. I think when we talk and listen to a lot of entrepreneurial stories, people always shy away from the like the difficulty. And I think I give you know I want to give Evan mad props for being able to be super open and and get into the mindset of what that felt like, what the struggles were, how to, you know, laying off, you know, two rounds of layoffs. Um, you know, I think that's where your bones are made as an entrepreneur, as a founder, like the struggles. Um, and also just very interesting from a personal regimen perspective, very interesting to hear about his experimentations with lucid dreaming, nootropics, other compounds. Um, definitely food for thought for myself in terms of... Um, Hey, giving, uh, giving yourself the permission to step back and really, you know, think about what you're actually doing and really reflect on that before you're just constantly being plowing through your emails and, and different things on your checklist. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, as always, we love your questions. We love your feedback. If you have any specific guests you'd like to see on the show, please let us know. Um, Email us at care at Nutribox.com and we'll get that sorted out. As always, we're on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Until next week, um, this is Jeff out. Bye.